0: Welcome back to RinkWise, everyone. We are New England's premier hockey podcast produced by the New England Hockey Journal. I'm your host, Stephanie Wood. We're back again. Another great episode on deck, this time with another hockey expert, in my opinion, Kim Branfold. Kim, welcome to the show.
1: I wouldn't call myself an expert, but thank you for having me on.
0: (laughs) De- definitely an expert in my, in my eyes, in my book, but no, we're so excited to have you. And I know coming off of just a red hot season at BU this year, congratulations, a great first year for you guys.
1: Thank you. Yeah, we, we did that pretty well. It's I always would have wanted to win a couple more games, but that's, that's how it goes. But overall, yeah. yeah, it was good. Thank you.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. The, the Frozen Four and I was, I know just following along so exciting and uh, everywhere's from like the hockey's championship. What a game that was, by the way, going into overtime and sounds like just, too, like just tremendous progress as the season went on as well. So taking a young team and obviously new coaching staff and it seemed like, Kim, it just got better and better as the year went on.
1: It, yeah, I think obviously anytime you win something, you, you, you've done something right and you hopefully got better. You would think so if you win at the end, especially with overtime, a couple overtimes there at the Garden, so. It was a lot of fun. And yeah, we, we did feel like we we did get better. And that's hopefully what we'll continue to do every year.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. And I think so, of course, just to talk a little bit about, about your background a little bit more. So obviously currently the assistant coach at Boston University with the men's hockey program there. And Kim, you feel like you've done a little bit at every level. So formerly in, involved with the Boston Bruins and dynamic and, and that sort of thing. So why don't we just talk a little bit more about your background? Just kind of fill us in a little bit.
2: All right.
1: So uh, I'm originally from uh, Oslo, Norway. Grew up there and uh, came, came right from there to college. I played at Oslo. Once I graduated there, I played a, a year of pro minor league stuff. And then I got right into kind of the skating and skills portion of of hockey, camps, whatever you want to call it. And And I was lucky there to worked for Paul Vincent, a legend inside of the community and and learned basically most of what I do know from him and was able to kind of take that to eventually get a job with the Boston Bruins. It was a long time between that and a lot of youth hockey ranks and coached a lot of youth hockey, coached high school for a long time. And like I said, eventually ended up with the Bruins where I was for seven seasons and, and now I'm here. So that's kind of it. The breeds yeah. storyline there.
0: That's awesome. Yeah, lots of lots of different experiences there. And I feel like we always run into each other in the rinks with whatever it is, whether it's with high school or dynamic, and definitely have seen each other in the rinks a ton. And with the Bruins, what was mainly, like, what were you responsible there? Like, what were your primary roles when you were with the Bruins?
1: So it changed a little through the years. It started off with my first year was 2015, 16 was my first full year. I actually started a little bit the year before, but more as a tryout thing. So in 15, 16, I was basically going down to Providence two days a week, sometimes three or four, but mostly a couple of days a week. Towards the end of that season, I started doing a little bit more in Boston with rehabbing injured players. And then the following year. I ended up being more involved in Boston with day-to-day stuff, part of practice as soon as Bruce Cassidy took over as head coach there. Yeah, be part of kind of the, the coaching staff was was lucky to have that opportunity to kind of learn from them and be on the ice every day. The rehab portion in terms of injured players was still a big part. And then the, the skill sessions, development sessions still was going down to Providence as well ended up doing some work with the scouting staff in terms of watching video and that type of thing. So it kind of changed a little year to year when COVID hit too. I, I was unfortunately COVID hit, put, but a couple of times I got to go on the bench too during games too. So that was a nice. fun part. And so a little bit of everything with the Bronx really.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Big skills guy, obviously.
1: Yeah. I mean, that that's that's kind of my core competency and that's where I started and, and that's kind of what I still believe in and that individual development portion of things is still what I take the most pride in, so to speak, and something that I truly believe in. So yep. still highly involved in that and continue to, to, to do that here at BU.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And Kim, I, I feel like in a way with all this, the skills work, it's, it's just such a big thing. It's, it's, it's something I wish that was more prevalent when I was back playing in college. That's, I feel like it's really become a, a, a much bigger focus point, I feel like, with high-level hockey programs. And in a way, I feel like it's, it's how we've also seen just so much change and evolution and improvement, I feel like, a little bit with, with the game of hockey.
1: Yeah, I think obviously now with, I think everyone's talked a lot about how much hockey is available for the kids. Sometimes it might, it might be too much, but they do skate a lot through the, through the year and obviously work on their individual game, certainly a lot more than we ever did. I never did any of it, so. Right. And same as you, I wish I I did do it. And you see now, young players, obviously the ones we get here coming into college, they're just so skilled, and and I think it makes for a better game. If you watch the playoffs now, how fast it is, and and the kind of plays that can be made, and how entertaining it is. I think it's a big portion, and I, I attribute a lot of that to just availability of ice year round, and. Yep. Obviously, skills coaches and skating coaches and everything else is is a big portion of that.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and would definitely love to talk a little bit more as we get further in the show, just get your perspective on, on some of those things. But with the Bruins, though, you must have been so pleased. They had such an incredible season this year as well, a record season. I know not the result that we wanted at the end, but I know you've probably spent a, a lot of time with those guys and developed some good friendships yeah, there. Yeah,
1: it was it was fun to watch. I mean, I really felt for them. I, I was probably the biggest fan all year. Yeah. I watched every game and... and the relationships that you grow right they don't go away so I talked to a lot of the players and staff through the year and and it was just an awesome year really really unfortunate that it ended the way it did but doesn't take away from what they accomplished and the type of locker room they have over there and actually I was I was just over at the Warrior Ice Arena skating with a couple guys now so I'm still uh, still got my ties in there yeah yeah I love the group and um yeah it's fun to watch something special that they have there in terms of the culture. And I think most, most people can learn from that in their own organizations.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, That's awesome. Yeah. We all loved to see that this year. Just what a season. And so when you were with the Bruins and then how did you transition into the college scene? So then Boston University presented an opportunity to you.
1: Yeah. So I had worked with Jay Pandolfo for uh, six of my seven years with the Bruins. So he knew kind of what I brought and, and I knew the type of person that he is. And, and I, I thought it was a good opportunity just to be able to work for him. I probably wouldn't have made the transition if it wasn't for someone like him. I honestly didn't know, I knew BU as a program, not really as a school. And I got to, to know that portion too, and was, was very impressed with the history and, and kind of what, what kind of institution it is. So it was a lot of learning. In making the transition, because obviously the re- recruiting portion, always staying ahead of getting new players in the door. And then the coaching portion, I thought that, that that was probably a little more seamless because it's a similar thing. You just have more time with the players, which is great. And having some of the talented players that we have. I think, yeah, it kind of lent itself nicely to, to keep development going through the year. So kind of similar from from that standpoint, but very different from the recruiting and and, and that aspect of it.
0: Yeah. Well, seems like a, a very seamless transition. And, and clearly, I think the, the season you guys had really speaks for itself. And speaking of some of your young, talented players, I mean, they were really just fun to watch. Like I, I know Lane Hudson, I know you guys hear a ton of and. Just what an incredible player for such a young player, and I, I, I know he got almost every award possible, right, for for a rookie. And just uh, players like that, I mean, what a great future ahead for Boston University. Yeah, it's team.
1: incredible to watch. I mean, he's he's some something that, and again, coming from from a high level and having just seen those guys every day, you could kind of tell that from from my perspective, he he has everything it takes. And I don't think I've ever really seen anybody as fun to watch ever and his work ethic and he's just so driven and all he cares about is getting better every day. He's just a really, really special player that it's going to be fun to see him kind of, I mean, he's playing in the world championships now, doing really well, but it's going to be fun to see him transition at one point to the next level again and, and people will really get to see what he's all about. Cause that's uh, he's uh, someone you want to go to a game just to watch.
0: Right. I was, Kim, recently at a awards banquet with him and Dick Pandolfo were there and the New England Hockey Writers Awards Banquet, I think it was. Yeah. And really just interesting to see. I mean, he, he just, he looks so young, number one, and, and he's not a big guy, right? He's a defenseman and just very humble, very quiet. And I think to your point, just seems like just puts his head down and works hard, but he was just very humble and just, you know, seems like just a great kid to have on the team.
2: Yeah, he's,
1: he's unbelievable to work with. And, and obviously again, he's an exceptional player. And yeah, I think it's just when you have players like that, that are just team guys too, that all they care about is the team winning and doing well and whatever it takes for the team to improve. It just drives so much your culture when your better players are that way. He's certainly like that smaller defenseman, but the stuff that he can do is, and his competitiveness just kind of makes up for some of that lack of size, if you want to call it that and. And I'm not sure if he was bigger, he could do this, the things that he can do now because a lot of it is just his quickness and deception. It's just another level. So we're grateful that we have him and he's fun to watch and, and certainly awesome to work with every day.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And it's one play that really stands out in my head was the game winner he had at the Garden Hockey's Championship in overtime versus Merrimack. And to your point, like it almost in a way, like just shows a little bit, I think, how the game has evolved now like he was just so quick on the blue line his quick release he just made a couple quick fakes and uh, like his vision but the way his puck came off his stick was just so quick and the goalie didn't have a chance
1: yeah he knows exactly what to do at what time and, and he's one of those guys that he, he can make something out of nothing uh, but he never makes nothing out of something yeah so like, he, he's always i like
0: that saying making,
1: <laughs> he's always making plays yeah whether the plays are there or not he'll create like I said if there's nothing nothing to be had he creates something and then anytime there is an opportunity for a play he completes it right so that's pretty unique and he has a way that he can just kind of he can beat you one-on-one he can get shots to the net so you never know what he's doing and I think it reminds me really a lot of like a really good point guard in basketball yeah he kind of control the, the play and again I think it's very unique so Special
0: player. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Can't wait to see him as as the years go on and of course follow Boston University and back to the season that you guys had this year. Again, just incredible first year, frozen four appearance in, in year one. And so just walk us through a little bit of the season. Like when you guys started, it was obviously just a change, new staff in place and just some of the things that you guys implemented that really worked well for you this year.
1: That was, for me, I, I was brand new to it. I'd never worked at college before. Obviously, I played in college, but the game has changed so much since I was in college. Jay was here the year before, so he had more knowledge of the group. And he he had a vision for how we're going to play. And he's very diligent in terms of getting everybody on the same page. And Joe Pereira, the associate head coach, he's been in, in the college team for a long time. And, and he has a great pulse for kind of what college hockey is all about. And we knew that we had, there, there were a good amount of returning players. So we knew the team was going to be capable of being pretty good. So it was just more about kind of getting everybody on the same page, understanding what Jay requires on a week to week basis and day to day basis. Mm-hmm. And then you're going through some ups and downs, like, like any other team. And luckily for us, the downs happen maybe a little bit later in the year. It, I think it was February. We had a little bit of a slump there around the, the bean pot time, but. It was just kinda early enough to get going after that, but it was late enough that it still taught us a lesson for the end of the year. So sure. helped us a lot. And and it wasn't it's never a smooth year, but it was overall obviously a great year when you look back at it. Sometimes when you when you lose in the end in the frozen four, you feel like you you don't remember that you you did accomplish something too, right? So that's part of it as well. But yeah, certainly a fun year.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And just Looking at the roster, even to the landscape, I mean, just it, it just looks like a really bright future ahead. A lot of great players returning and a lot of a lot of great mixture of some really young talent and, and veterans. And future looks bright from just looking on.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, but I think it's we just got to keep doing what we're doing, I think. And that's the best part about Jay Pandolph as the head coach is that he he just it's just every day just to strive to get better because. Every team is really good in the off season and right, right. the same goes for us. We're all really, really good before the season, right? We feel like we're going to be good. So we just got to make sure we keep doing the same thing in terms of the what's required day to day and keep driving the culture forward. And if we get some good players come through the door, we should be, we should be competitive.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And so speaking a little bit more about the off season, so Kim, again, I, I, Seen you, obviously, in the rings for years and and really think very highly of you. I know heavily involved with Dynamic, which is a, a great, one of the best, in my opinion, skills program. So talk a little bit about that, what your role is and kind of what you guys do.
1: Yeah, so so John McLean, who actually took over my job with, with the Boston Broads, has a company called Dynamic Skating. And we've been doing it together with Tom Ford, who's another phenomenal instructor. And uh, we've been doing it for a while together. I think, I think it's probably we've been in Merrimack. How long has the new arena been there? Probably a dozen years now. It's got to be something like that.
0: Pretty close, yeah. Uh,
1: Anyways, we've been we've been running camps and clinics out of there. We've been we've been lucky that I think a combination of luck and doing a a pretty good job has kind of led to a lot of good players going through our our program. Probably most notably, people are watching the Stanley Cup playoffs now. Jack Eichel came through and kind of skating with us all through growing up and and i think people have realized that they can improve a lot if they take some time to do it right so that's been a big part of what i've done obviously the last 10 12 years whatever it is and continue to be involved it's it's harder to be involved as much because there's a lot of travel involved with recruiting and stuff but i just think it's a great program that john and tom done such a good job with
0: yeah yeah oh it's it's awesome i was Walk by and 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 look on, and I I think it's one of the best, no question. And Kim, I always felt that the off season was just really the prime time for players, especially youth players, to really work on their game, especially their weaknesses. Really try to make improvements. I mean, in your opinion, with with the landscape on the youth side, like how how important do you think that skills training is, and the time they use in their off season to get better?
1: Well, I think it's important to, I think there's two parts to that. I think, number one, I think it's important to always sharpen your tools or whatever term you want to use that it's like, if you want to be good, you got to go to the gym. You got to be dedicated to be in better shape and all that stuff. And then you you got to round out your game on the ice, working on your skating, working on your skill set. and everybody has different things to work on, but you got to make sure that you take enough time to work on that portion. Obviously we know there's a lot of tournaments and showcases and, and such in the summer, which which is fine too. I mean, players like to play, right? So it's fine fine to play games too. It's just important that you're kind of staying with the the basics of what you're doing too. So you're always improving individually, not just as a part of the team.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So always hammer in those fundamentals and keep getting better. And showcases has been a, a topic that we've talked about quite a bit our last couple episodes on the, the podcast. and. I think a lot of great perspective and what's about selecting which ones to do and and making sure that you're sort of at the top of your game when you are participating in those events. And obviously Boston University is a really big time division one men's hockey program. So like what would be some of the events, just for example, that like you guys might go to this summer if you're trying to look at some different prospects? Uh,
1: We're not fully scheduled out in in terms of which ones we're going to. I know that the tradition is what I did last year anyways, is go to the the select festivals in, in Buffalo, New York that USA hold. And those are the main events for us. And I don't, I don't know if there's so many events now and there there's so many players and teams involved that it's hard to kind of gather all of it. So a lot of it's kind of knowing what players are out there and then going to, to to the places that those players are, are playing. So it's a little bit more targeted. I don't think you're, there's not as much, maybe walking through the door and just finding someone randomly as it used to be back in the day. Right. And so I think that's changed quite a lot. And I think to your point, I think when you're a little bit older and the showcasing part is a bigger part of what you do, I think it's just so important that when you do go to a showcase that you're playing at your best. So if you're doing too many of them, it's hard to, like, if I go and watch you play, so if I go and watch Stephanie Wood play 10 times, if I really, like, the first time I watch you, wow, she's really good. The second time I watch you, wow, she's good. The third or fourth, I'm going to start, I don't know if I like this part, I don't know if I like, but the more, right. you see some someone so much sometimes that you start picking them apart too. So I think it's important for players that they make sure that they're in the spot, that anytime they do go to something, they have. Kind of the required skill set, required stamina to to perform really well, right? Because you're going and you're playing five, six games on a weekend. It's hard to do that, especially if you do it a lot.
0: Right, right, yeah, no, it's uh, certainly is right. A lot, a ton of events now, both on the male and the female side. I feel like, and, and in Massachusetts, it's it's. I feel like it's in a way, it's good and bad. There's so much hockey, so there's there's a lot of options and choices. But in a way, is it becoming? too much. It can be sort of, I yeah. think, overwhelming at times with parents of youth. Yeah, that's why I think
1: you got to pick your spots, right? So it is too much, but there's a lot worse things that you could be doing. If you really love playing, I think there's a lot worse things you could be doing than, than dedicating your time to hockey. I just think, again, I think it's just so important that you fall in love with kind of improving and, and being part of a team and and just seeing where that takes you rather than at such a young age now, I think everyone's so focused on, oh, I want to be like, I want to play in college. Right. But you're twelve; like okay. it's just so early that just learn to love going to the rain, love shooting in the driveway, loves kind of that part of it, and then the other part will take care of itself. Quite frankly,
0: yeah, yeah, I I think that's awesome advice, and just you're right there, the process and. Again, Kim, I back to the skills at Dynamic, you know, why I really love about watching you guys so much is because I, of course, older now, I wish I had that when I was growing up, but it just, it also looks like a lot of fun on the ice. Like a lot of the different drills you do, like it's just, it's great skill work, but it's also kind of, I would say hidden, but it's, it's sort of hidden by a lot of fun. So it's like, it's something different all the time. And, I feel like that's just so important too, to, to help kids kind of fall in love with the process as you're kind of talking about.
1: Well, you got to have a good time, right? Like, I mean, why else are you playing? It's a game. So you, right. you got to have a good time and you got to enjoy doing it. And if you can, you can make kind of uh, tedious tasks fun, th- then I think you'd, you'd end up having a lot of success, right? Whether that's a, as a player or as a, as a coach with a team or, or obviously as you're running camps and clinics or whatever it is. I think if you can think of it that way, if you can make tedious things that you improve on be fun, then I think you're on to something.
0: So, Kim, still talking a little bit about the offseason with players like at Boston University, just for example, so guys at that level. So what would a typical offseason sort of look like for them? So spring and then in the summer before they return back to your campus again?
1: Yeah. So once, once our season ends and, and that semester ends, which ends around, I'm trying to think here, it's probably first week of May. Most of the players go home and they have a little time period at home up until uh, the first week of July when they come back for summer school. So they take a class here. They work out at the facility. They have open ice so they can skate together and work on their game. We as coaches are not allowed to go out with them, but, you know, sometimes they may bring in a, an outsuit outside source, or they might, um, just play a pickup game or something. But either way, they're in the gym, working out They're obviously going to school and taking a class. So they get ahead a little bit and then they get together as a team that that's for about six or seven weeks. So that takes up a lot of their summer. And I think for all of them, the biggest thing is going into the off season is how you can improve individually. Meaning taking your off ice component, the strength and conditioning very seriously there's just huge gains to be made there at this age group and then most of the guys now skate a good amount in the summer some of our players are drafted and go to nhl development camp so there's a lot of there's a lot of things there to keep them pretty busy without uh, overdoing it either but the the number one thing is just getting faster stronger and and coming back a better version of yourself right so you're more confident and and ready to go in the fall
0: yeah yeah and so the the off ice training would certainly be be a big component of that. Like, would they probably go like three, four days a week? Do you think of tra- strength training in the off season?
1: Yeah, so they usually go four. I think it's four or five days actually. Wow. And so so it's most of the weekdays. Our strength and conditioning coach here, Ken Whittier, he actually worked with Jay and I with the Bruins as well. So he's excellent and and uh, he does an awesome job with the guys that we have. There's a lot of pros training here too, so the guys get to kind of see what what their routine looks like and i think there's a lot of that helps them push each other too right so i think there's a lot of things in place to hopefully make everybody improve as much as they can
0: yeah that's great yeah ken is awesome i i remember him from the mike boyle strength and conditioning days so back that's when right. he was there yeah when right. he used to work out in the adult classes but he was awesome so yeah he's great 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 pickup there and it's that's also pretty cool too for your for your guys to see some of the NHLers. I mean, it's almost really it's just that like that mentorship effect if you will, right? That sometimes even at the younger levels, the young the young guys see the the college as you know like that mentorship aspect cuz striving- yeah, I think it's
1: I think it's nice when I mean, I think that's one of the advantages of a of a school like like ours that a lot of alumni ha- are having a lot of success playing at the next level where where you strive to be right so you can pick up a lot from obviously watching them but also learning what they did when they were in your shoes right so there's a lot of learning there and it's certainly a helpful part of development
0: yeah and then so walk us through just quickly too so once the season starts So once you're in season, so your expertise, if you will, was really that a lot of that skills work and and skating and stuff. Now, do you bring that component to the training in season as well now?
1: Yeah. So we, during, during our, the fall is a little bit different in college where you're only allotted a certain amount of time to do team activities. But once the season gets going fully, we always have Mondays as a dedicated skill development, small area game type day. In addition to that, We typically do one skill session for forwards, one for defensemen. Outside of that, that's a little bit more position specific or just getting your extra touches and and individual development. And then on top of that, again, we'll also have certain players that may have one or two smaller things to work on that, that have optional ice available for that, that type of thing too. So there's a lot of stuff outside of just regular team activities that we kind of put in place so that it's available for them through the season
0: yeah. yeah that's that is interesting so it really sounds like there's so much in addition to the team-based activities as you said a lot of attention to like individual skill yeah. work and almost, yeah and, and it's
1: up to each individual how much so basically you have your team activities and then you have your school work and then we have optional ice available on top of that 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 is available for the players that want to, right? So it's uh, it's up to them how much they want to do. We're lucky that a lot of our players have big aspirations and, and good work ethic to go with it. So they partake in, in a lot of that. But yeah, it's really up to them how much they want to push.
0: Yeah. yeah, and that's great. I'm almost like a customized plan, if you will, for each each player.
1: Yeah, each player has different things that they got to work on, right? So you got to kind of tailor make it to, to yeah. them.
0: Kim, one thing I've always wondered—I meant to ask you over the years. So you came from Norway and uh, grew up playing hockey there, right? Of the upbringing, youth hockey. Now, are there many differences between hockey there versus versus here? I've always wanted to ask you that. Never knew.
1: Well, we, we first of all, it's an Olympic size size surface, right? So it's a lot bigger. That's a big part of it. You, you probably learn to hold on to the puck a little bit more. It's not as fast paced as it is here, so it's a little bit different that way. Now, Norway's not a a huge hockey country. And, but for a smaller country, it's it's pretty decent. I, I would say that you play a lot less games. I know that growing up. And you probably have a little bit more consistency in terms of practice versus game time. But other than that, it's obviously a similar type of game, just kind of small differences in terms of the bigger ice surface, holding on to the puck a little bit more and focusing maybe a little bit more on that puck play rather than how fast the game becomes very early here.
0: Right. Right. Well, I didn't I did not know that. So even at like the younger levels, they start with that larger ice surface.
1: Yeah, I think when you when you're really really young, you start with the same as here cross ice and, and what have you, but the only thing you have there is Olympic ice surfaces, right? So that's the only thing you can play on.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, that's that's cool. Yeah, we learn something every day because obviously it's Maybe more common, someone comes from Canada or whatever. Just, but it's, I think it's just always interesting just to look at some of the differences with hockey from, from different areas of the world.
1: Yeah. Everything's, every place is a little bit, bit different. And it's a little bit, still a little bit more community based over there. So you have a little bit more of where you play a lot more and in, in where you're from. Not, not necessarily town hockey, but more like the, the maybe greater area where you live. Um, it's not driven in terms of the business factor as it is here.
0: Yeah. Well and I think so now just back to hockey in this area. I think lastly so you're you are coaching and have coached at a really high level and and also get to spend time with a lot of upcoming youth athletes like what would be just maybe some of the the tips or advice that you have for some of the youngsters with big aspirations.
1: Well I think it's again I I think it's learning to enjoy the game. Yeah. Having fun with the game and understanding that every game or every practice is not game seven of the Stanley Cup, but kind of having fun with it while you're trying to improve yourself and learning from others, I think is really important. So not just you coaches, but learning from other players, picking things up along the way and understanding that just because someone else, I mean, let's say I'm playing with Stephanie Wood growing up and she might be a better player than me right then and there it doesn't mean that that doesn't lessen my opportunity so just learning that you can learn from everybody it's not the competition of who's better and i'm better than this person and that person's better than that person it's more about trying to strive for loving to get better i guess is is what i'm trying to say
0: yeah i i think that's awesome it's it's just wonderful advice and it's Again, it's, I I think there's a lot of, lot of options and especially at the younger levels. And I think it certainly can be a little bit overwhelming. And I think sometimes too, Kim, I think sometimes parents feel pressure and they feel that pressure just from different areas, uh, not just from programs, but competing with, with maybe another player. And maybe that's not the best thing to always do.
1: No, I think it's, it's, the compete is important on the ice, right? Like you're competitive, being competitive on the ice, but it doesn't. It doesn't. It's so much about sometimes like this person's better than that person, and while I think this person's better, like it doesn't. Everybody's really good at different things, like right, that, right? And you learn that obviously as you go along. That there's different players that have have different skill sets and different schools, different junior programs, different colleges are looking for different things. Different NHL teams, for that matter, looking yeah. for different things. Some players are. Big, strong, and have an advantage there. Other players are smaller, skilled, more quick. Yeah, so there's not like this one is better than that one. It's just that everybody has something to offer, and it's about making yourself better and, and trying to be part of a productive team. Right? Doesn't mean you have to win every game. You don't have to go fifty and over the youth season. It just means that you, you got to learn again to learn from others and learn that every year you need to get a little bit better so that you can enjoy the game as you get older in high school and prep school, juniors, college, or whatever that might be.
0: Yeah, I, wonderful, really wonderful advice. And I, I think it's a great reminder. And I, I remember kind of a story on that, like my, one of my best friends that I went to Northeastern with, like we both, the end result was the same. We both went to Northeastern. We both played there. We took two totally different paths to get there.
1: Yeah, exactly. Completely different. And you see that all the time where you see players in the NHL, like some are drafted high and make it in right away maybe, or others are are not drafted at all and they make it in eventually. They just have a different road and they end up in the same place. And that's how life is in general, right? So there's no people. I think sometimes people and parents specifically think it's a a chess game. And if you put the piece in a certain place, like everything's going to go bad or good for that matter. And Mm. it's just not like that. It doesn't, it doesn't work that way. It goes in ebbs and flows, right? Your younger players grow at different rates and things happen at different times for everybody. And I think it's just important to just kind of, again, it comes back to the same thing. Learn to, learn to love it, learn to enjoy becoming better. And you're gonna have a lot of fun experiences that hopefully eventually will take you to play in college, right? That would be a great thing, but more about learning to enjoy the experience And then I think it kind of takes care of itself because you, if you learn that, then you're going to get opportunities to play in different things that'll showcase your ability in front of the right type of people. And things things fall from there.
0: Yeah. Well, Kim, I think that's wonderful advice and certainly wonderful perspective and, and different too. It's, it's a little bit, it's, it's, it's different advice from what we've had on some of our shows so far. And so finally, I think since we have you here, of course. Hockey expert, as I said, just all different avenues of of hockey. We'll pivot to our overtime live, and we're going to turn it over to producer Dave, who's going to put us on the spot, Kim, and ask us a couple hockey questions for fun.
2: Overtime. Are you ready, coach? I hope so. I'm ready. You sounded pretty ready before when we prepped you on this, but but do you <laughs> haven't but you haven't heard the questions yet, and neither has Stephanie as a matter of fact. Stephanie, do you want to go first or should I throw it to your guest first?
0: Hey, I'll okay. I'll I'll go. I'll jump in.
2: All right, fine. I'm ready. Yeah. Question number 1 for overtime. What is the most exciting play in hockey?
0: Well, I think that the most exciting play, I I think is overtime. I would say I'm kind of describe a scenario here, maybe yeah, an that, environment.
2: That works. Yeah.
0: Because I just think that the the stakes are higher and it's it's sudden death once you get to overtime. I I'm kind of a big fan. I know not everyone likes this, but like when you get to like a three on three. So I think of like the the mm. the men's bean pot that I just watched this year, like you just see so much playmaking. So like I think a good like two on one and overtime when you see some really great playmaking, I think to me like that's probably the most exciting play.
2: There's also a, a sense that sudden death creates a feeling of almost just desperation and you can see them the trying in ways that maybe they wouldn't during the For during sure. regulation. For sure.
0: I've I've been on both sides, the winning and the losing and mm-hmm. in, in overtimes and as a coach you're you're definitely you're gripping your your clipboard I think a little tighter <laughs> on the bench.
2: How about you coach the most exciting play in hockey? The most exciting play in hockey is when it's overtime
1: in and- the puck goes in the net for your team.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: nothing, nothing else. Nothing else. Not as exciting you're, when it goes in the overtime. In. Porch. Not exciting. Yeah, I think yeah. Tra- when the puck transitions in hockey, I think it's exciting when you see the speed and, and the potential for an attack. And um, that's where I think, for me, the most fun part is to watch players that have the ability to to make special place happens. So you see a transition and you see like economic David getting speed with the puck and just going around people sometimes. And, and you're just like, wow, that's, that's a special play to me. That's the most exciting thing about the game.
2: Yeah. They say th- the, awesome. that it's only possible in hockey to have a, a game winner, apparent on one end of the field slash court slash whatever ice, and then Literally a split second later, it can be in the other end and the other team could be winning. So So unique to hockey. All right. Question number two for overtime. If you had to make one change to increase hockey in America, or I guess we we should say North America, what would that be? Coach, do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, that would have
1: to be the cost to go down quite a lot and somehow get the funding for that so that some of the Um, inner cities and and places would have more access to the game Mm. the easier way to play i think part of that would probably be more street hockey rinks too Uh, i think that would be a big part of it just to grow the game in all areas and and for it to be very easily accessible for a lot of people such as like a like game of basketball so easy to play there's a there's hoops down the street for
2: most people where they live so that would be the number one thing for me i remember when my my mother's a big sports fan. She would teach me at a young age and not to get too socioeconomic here, but coach, what you said is absolutely right. I mean, the, the, there aren't a lot of hockey players historically coming out of Harlem. I hope I'm not stereotyping too bad here, but you're right. All they need is a hoop and a ball to get going. And with hockey, you just need more. Stephanie, what, any changes you would make to the game to make it more popular?
0: Yeah. And in first Kim, I think that's a great, one. you know, I, I think the the cost that I'm hearing and seeing at some of these youth level between their in season and, and out of season, it's getting sort of ridiculous. So I, I think yep. that's a great one. But so I think on the spot. So I'm yeah. I'm at the youth level a lot. And I mean, there's, there's a few things, but I think if I had to pick one, something that stands out to me, and I saw this, would see this more in Canada, kind of growing up playing there, is at the youth level, when you're teaching kids at a young age about the importance of hitting from behind, right, or, or going to the boards, they would put like a it was a yellow, basically lane, about three feet, three feet from the boards. So it really kind of stood out and it just made a bit of an impact because, again, just t- teaching the importance of proper contact going in the boards or hitting from behind, it was just highlighted and stressed a little bit more. I thought it was a great idea. I, again, I saw that more in the, the rinks growing up, but it was important because it was just really kind of stressing the importance of, of going into the boards properly.
2: Good answer, Stephanie. I I don't say that just because you're my friend and we're in the same studio here together. (laughs) Final question for overtime is, who is the greatest goalie ever? And I'm going to allow you to answer that question in two different ways if you want. You can just simply go history and say, well, the greatest goalie historically. Or if you'd prefer, who's the greatest goalie you've ever seen play? Stephanie?
0: Well, I think so. Again, back growing up, I, I will say that the Boston Bruins are definitely my team now. Growing up, though, the Montreal Canadiens, mm. sorry, I, they were. <laughs> they were just the team, That's kind okay. of my teachers in class and stuff. They had like Montreal Canadian posters and stuff. So back then it was Patrick Roy. Mm. So he was Fine he choice. Was yeah,
2: Coach, how about you? I like
1: Patrick Roy a lot too. He was, he was unbelievable. I, I was lucky, again, to be part of the Bruins. And, and I, I just thought Tuuk Carrasque was incredible. Mm. And just getting to watch him every day, how athletic he is how he moves and, and how good he was consistently. I, I think he was extremely underappreciated. It's a tough area here, but yeah, he, he, he was incredible.
2: So they what? say, they say pretty much in all sports athletes, if you compare today's athlete to say from, I don't know, pick a pick an era the seventies, maybe that in general, they're, they're bigger, faster and stronger have goalies. In your opinion, coach, have, have goalies changed sort of physically? Are there, Is the goalie of today more of an athlete than he used to be, he or she used to be?
1: I think goalies always, my, that's my impression anyway, that goalies are always really good athletes. I am sure, 100% sure that the, the size part of it has changed a lot. So the goalies are probably a lot bigger than they ever were. Uh, and they, they seem to be extremely athletic, but I would think that goalies were always
2: really athletic. Hmm. Yeah, see. Well, we know from Gordon Ramsay, the coach in the Mighty Ducks, that you take the biggest kid and you put him in gold If all if all else <laughs> fails, right?
0: That's right. The gear is also bigger now too. The pads, yep. and we got we got like little eight year old goalies, and their pads take up like half yep. the net. So,
2: Huge, yeah. And they're they're almost falling over. oh yep. uh, well. Anyway, Coach and Stephanie, you've both passed overtime. Congratulations! You can now thank goodness we have a carton of Gatorade for <laughs> as a prize for you to celebrate. Well done.
0: Awesome. Thank you. That was great. No, and again, Kim, we can't thank you enough for taking the time out of your busy schedule and just wish you nothing but the best with Boston University and and beyond.
1: Appreciate that. Thanks for having me on. And I'm sure I'll run into you in a rink real soon.
0: I'm sure we will. Definitely. I'm sure we'll see you at Merrimack in the the near future. And that does it for this edition of RinkWise. Our podcast is produced by David Yaz. Be sure to catch us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Journal and subscribe with us online at hockeyjournal.com. I'm your host, Stephanie Wood. RinkWise is a Siemens Media Production.